I want to take a few minutes and preach a while on faith today as we were in the middle of the month of October and we're also in the middle of our seed time and harvest with Harvest Sunday fastly approaching on the second Sunday of the month. As we come into the word of the Lord today in the New Testament with some references to the Old Testament, I'm hoping that our time together will be fruitful in understanding what the Lord requires of us. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We give you honor, praise, and glory as we gather in this place. It is in you that we live and move and have our being. Thank you for every good and perfect gift. Thank you for the word of God, which is indeed good and perfect. Thank you that our faith grows as we gather in this place today because of the word. Thank you that in Jesus' name, by your blood, by your blood, we are saved and cleansed and healed. Thank you that with Jesus' stripes, we've already been healed. And today in your word, we go further to understand more about what is already finished. We call these things done and all the people will say, thank the Lord. I want to talk to you today about it's possible. It's possible. In order to do that, I want to raise two verses to start off with. One is in Mark 10 and the other is in Mark 9. In Mark 10, verse 27, and the C clause of that verse, Jesus is speaking. And I'm going to ask if you repeat this after me. Everything is possible for God. I'd like for you to do that again. Uh, repeat it after me. Everything, everything is possible for God. How many believe that? Everything is possible for God. There is nothing that God cannot do. You know, we call that the sovereignty of God. He can do whatever he chooses to do, whenever he chooses, and however he chooses. Everything is possible. I like to couple that with Mark 9, 23, so we're reading backwards. Jesus said to him, as far as possibilities go, I like for you to repeat this after me, church. Everything is possible for the person who believes. Now I'd like for you to look at those two verses. You see in both verses, everything is possible. If you took the King James Version or the New King James Version, it would say this. Remember this, all things are possible. So Matthew 10, 27 says, all things are possible with God. And then Mark 9, 23 says, all things are possible for you. Do you believe that? Ushers, you may rest. I find it in my teaching that people are eager to accept Mark 10, 27, slower to accept Mark 9, 23. As a matter of fact, they need a lot of explanation before they will accept it. You say all things are possible with God? Yes. All right, 
The same Jesus who said that says all things are possible for the person who believes. Do you believe that? So if all things are possible with God and Jesus says using the same words, all things are possible for you if you believe, then why is our circumstance so bad? Could it be that we are eager to accept Mark 10, 27, because we're not responsible for that. <laughs> but Mark 9, 23, we are accountable and responsible for. You see, God is God. He does what God wants to do. We are God's servants. We believe in him. And the Bible plainly says all things are possible for us. But if we really accepted that, then what would be the reason for not having everything working right for us? That's what we need to talk about over these few minutes that we share. It's possible. It's possible. And it's only when we accept God's word for us as God's word for us that possibilities can happen. And so on Tuesday night, I've been teaching for six weeks about the possible you. All things are possible for you if you believe. Now, I want to add to that another verse, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Paul says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Let me break that down a little bit from the International Version. For no matter how many promises God has made, it's talking about the promises in the Bible. That all of the promises that we have in the Bible come to us from God. Our Bible is full of promises. And because we are in Christ, every promise, would you say every promise? Oh, I wish I could get everybody to say it. Would you say every promise? Every promise that God made Abraham, every promise that God made Isaac, every promise that God made Jacob, every promise that God made David, every promise that God made in the Bible is for us too because we are in Christ. And it's God's responsibility to say yes through Christ for those promises and then it's our responsibility to say amen which means we double down on the fact that we believe that all things are possible to him that believes because our faith is in a God of possibilities if all things are possible for God and I believe in God through Jesus Christ then one of the things that God makes sure that I understand is that all things become possible for me too. That's being God's child. That takes the excuses away from my life. That means that I won't be able to complain. I won't be able to be pitiful. I won't be able to mope and grope and mourn. I won't be able to feel sorry for myself and throw a pity party and invite my friends over. 
I won't be able to successfully complain about my life going down the drain because all things are possible for my father. And my father has fixed it through his promises that all things are possible for me if I believe. So whatever is wrong in my life, the power to change it is within my grasp. Now when we talk about the word possible, it comes from the Latin word posse, which uh, means to able or to be done. Uh, all possible means is, is it can be done. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done. I don't celebrate what's bad in my life because it can be changed. Would you say it can be changed? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel that I'm suffering for God because it can be changed. Would you say again? It can be changed. Now, with God is what the, what the King James and the New King James says. With God, all things are possible. Now, the word with is the Greek word pyros, pi alpha, rho alpha, which means uh, beside or by the side of God or in company with God. So in company with God, everything can be changed. Is that getting clear to everybody? Is that clear to everybody? Young people on this side. Is that clear to you? Say that with me. With God, I, I don't, all of you, with God, everything can be changed. Ah, say it again. Come on. With God, what? What? Everything. Now, this time we're going to put our weight on everything. All right? Let's try it again. With God, what? Can be. Okay, now let's make a sentence of it. Come on. Me and you together. Come on. With God, everything can be changed. If, 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 if my church had taught me that when I was your age, I'd be much further along now. But my church taught me to put up with suffering and say that it was the will of God. My church taught me that if you suffer as a Christian, you're doing God a good service. I didn't know that although I was black, I didn't be have to hell back. I didn't know that although I grew up pretty much in poverty in the ghetto, the ghetto didn't have to live in me. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought I was supposed to accept the way the world was. But one day I stumbled upon this principle. That with God, all things. Now, huh? What was our word, young people? Everything. Can y'all say that again? Everything. You see, when I meet young people and they don't have a high school education, when I meet them and they didn't finish high school, they're not looking at vocational training or college, I wonder, I wonder if they understand that with God, nothing is impossible. Even those that struggled in school, and I know we live in a day and time when we, you know, have to say, well, we need to put the children on drugs or something's going on, maybe going wrong. I think there was always something wrong with most of us. But we understand something that when it comes to a relationship with God, there is no ceiling, there are no limits. As far, listen at Mark 9, 23 again. Jesus said to him, as far 
as possibilities go, everything is possible for the person who believes. You see, in church, I thought that when they brought up faith, that they were only talking about faith to be saved because they preached on salvation every week. Matter of fact, I remember growing up as a young person thinking I had to get saved all over again almost every Sunday because that's all they ever talked about. You must be born again, need to be saved, need to be born again, but nobody remembers that other than me. I remember growing up in church, they used to say, if you want to go to heaven, you can't go unless you love everybody. And that was a problem for me because I didn't know everybody. And you can't love who you don't know. Then they, then they would go this far. They would be preaching. They'd say, if you want to go to heaven, you can't go to heaven except you love me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have to get saved all over again. But faith is not just to be saved. Faith is for your everyday life. So the first point is this that I want to make to you. Faith works when we accept the truth of what God wants us to have. The reason you have a Bible is so that you can look up the promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. But I have to know what the promises are before I can put my faith on it. And most of the time when we pray, we don't pray based on what the promises are. We pray based on what we'd like to see happen. Not knowing if there's a promise for that or not. I wish I had a witness. Prayer is not a lamp that you rub for a genie to come out and give you three wishes. Prayer is not you getting what you wish to happen in life to happen for you. Prayer is not getting who you want because you think they're cute or you're attracted to them or they'd make a nice mate for you. Prayer is not you getting the car that you want because you were sitting at the red light, looked over at the parking lot, and you were so impressed with that one particular automobile, you're going to pray and make sure God gives you that one. Prayer is not even to make your husband act the way you want him to act or make your wife behave the way you'd like for her to behave. Prayer is that which we offer to God, if I could get you to hear me, based on the promises that we found in the word. In other words, if God didn't promise it, you can pray all you want, but you're not going to get it because that's not the purpose of prayer. Prayer is not magic. Prayer doesn't make stuff happen simply because you've got a fetish for it or a desire for it or a liking to it. Prayer means that I have read in the word and found a promise of God. And because God said he promises it, and I know the Bible said all the promises I find get a yes from him. If I say amen, which is a prayer word to it, then I can put my faith on it. How many have read the Bible where the Bible said with Jesus stripes you were healed? I wish I had a witness here. So that means that when I'm sick or when I need healing, all I've got to do is repeat that promise back to God. You know what I need to do when I'm not well? I need to take my Bible. I need to research every verse I can find on healing. And then I need to say, Father, here's what you promised, and now I take that from you in Jesus' name. I wish I had a witness. 
But the problem with us is in most cases when it comes to things like that, we don't think that it's already done. We think he still has to do it. So you can say for a person, say, well, do you believe if we pray that you'll be healed? You know what they say? I hope so. Well, you won't get it because hope is not faith. No, it couldn't be. Hope and faith are not the same things. How do we know that? Well, first of all, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, say it with me. For now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Well, if hope and faith were the same thing, why would they be separated in the sentence? They're not synonyms. I'll give you another one. Hebrews 11 and 1. You know this one? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So they're not the same things. If they were the same things, they'd never be used in the same sentence like that. Hope is one thing, faith is something else, and faith is the substance of things I'm hoping for. Faith, let's say it again, everybody. Come on with me now. Faith is the substance of, stop right there. Faith is the substance of things. Faith is the substance of things. I'm hoping for something. Well, what are you hoping for? I'm hoping for so-and-so. Well, faith is the substance of that so-and-so. I'm hoping for a car. Well, faith is the... Faith, in other words, repeat this after me. Faith is the car. Yeah, it's the substance of it. So, I have the car. No, you don't have the car. Yeah, I do. How you know? I have faith. And faith is the substance. You said, but ain't no promise in the Bible about car. Oh, yeah, it is. My heavenly father, Jesus said, knows what things you have need of before you ask him. See, I need transportation. I don't need a ticket to the concert downtown. I don't have a witness here. I need a job. I don't need to go to the party Friday night. I don't have a witness here. I need to be provided for in my everyday life. I don't need many of the things that I want. And we don't use prayer for what we want. We use prayer for the promises. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen. Well, I'm almost done. The, what gets in our way is two things, doubt and unbelief. What is doubt? Well, doubt is that that happens when we don't know the word like we should know it. Therefore, you hear me preaching on this, it may not change some things because you've got to get it settled that what I'm preaching is truth. May sound a little far-fetched. Look at Matthew 21, 21. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus is teaching on the subject. And in Matthew 21, 21, Jesus says, answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. 
Let me read verse 22 again. Matter of fact, repeat it behind me, everyone. And whatever things, and whatever things, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. You see, the old church taught me that God answers prayer in three ways. Maybe you heard this when you were growing up. Yes, no, and wait. Now, even as a teenager, I was a Sunday school teacher. When I was 17 years old, I taught the intermediate class, 12, 13, and 14-year-old girls. And even then, I questioned some of the teachings that I was hearing because I couldn't find it in the Bible. See, I've always been a person that said, now, if that's true, let me find scriptures on it. I never could find that. I mean, they quoted it like it was in the Bible. God answers prayer three ways, yes, no, and wait. I never could find that. So I had to figure out what they were talking about. And then when I kept researching and researching, not only did I not find that, I kept finding the opposite of that. You know what they, you know, God answers prayer three ways. Yes, no, and wait. No, I never found in the Bible, in the New Testament, where I said God said no. Not one single verse. Every verse I found said he would do it. We just read one. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Oh, you're not hearing me. Let me try it again. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Oh, I can go further than that. Help me with this. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you may go and bear fruit and that your fruit may remain, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. I never could find what God said no. I mean, I kept looking. I looked, I looked, I lined it out. I took my concordance. I looked and looked, and every place I found Jesus talking about prayer, it always ended with Jesus saying, you'll get it. I said, well, where did they get the no from? Probably because we asked for things that God never promised. And we didn't get it, so we said God turned us down. It never dawned on us that it wasn't God. It was us asking the wrong thing the wrong way. Hey, if you got a radio, and I know everybody now doesn't listen to radios, but let's say you got a radio. Let's say you got a TV. Let's say that you're watching it and all of a sudden the picture goes away. All right, you're in the middle of the program. You're listening to your radio and the sound goes away. What do you do? I know you pick up the phone and call the radio station and say, hey, y'all got something going on wrong down there. You need to fix it so I can listen. Is that the first thing you do? No, the first thing you do is check your radio. The first thing you do is check your TV. If I'm not getting what I'm supposed to be getting from God, ain't no need of me blaming God and saying God said, no, I need to check on my end to see if my tuner is in the right place, to see if my prayer is the right kind of prayer, to see if my faith is positioned in the right place because everywhere I read it said he will do it. Oh, I wish I had a witness here. If God's will, it, well, here's the other thing, and I got to finish. I'm almost done. People say, well, you just don't know the will of God. Well, what do you think this is? This is God's will in writing. I don't have a witness here. When I was a little boy, my mother raised me. She was an old woman when I was a little boy. 
I was around 11 to 12 years old, somewhere in that framework. She was already in her 80s. She said to me, come on, we're going downtown and see a lawyer. We walked downtown to the building where Senator Richard Shelby, who was not a senator or a congressman at that time, had his office. We went inside that building and met with a lawyer. She said to the lawyer, it was a white man, said, this is my boy that I'm raising. She said, I want to make sure that when I die, everything I have goes to him. And I'm sitting there listening to it. He said, well, Miss Annabelle, you got to have a will for that. She said, well, let's do that. She said, now, the only thing I really own is a house. And when I die, I want it to go to him. Then she said, I may have saved up a little money by then. How can I make sure it gets said, well, we'll put that in the will. I don't have a witness. So he, he, he executed the document. As a 13, 14-year-old, I knew in what drawer in the house she kept a will. Top of the chiffre robe, but nobody knows what a chiffre robe is now either. Top drawer of the chiffre robe. I go to the chiffre robe, pull the drawer open, and there it says on the cover, last will and testament. I read it, and I saw where upon her leaving this world, Everything would come to me. Last will, somebody say, and testament. What do you think the New Testament is? The New Testament is the new will. You say, well, how can I know the will of God? It's written in the will. I read Mama's will. And Mama's will said the property at 1523 15th Street, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401, will go to Sherman L. Young. I don't have a witness here. Because she would no longer be on the earth. Where is Jesus? He's not on the earth. I don't have a witness here. But he would have been irresponsible in leaving the earth without leaving his last will and testament. And the New Testament is God's will for his children. Just like mama wanted me to get that property at 1523 15th Street, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so did God, so did the Lord Jesus want to make sure that while he was in heaven, his children would know what he had left them in order to make it in this world. And so whatever you need, I say, is in the Bible. The Bible is not a book of poetry. The Bible is not a history book. The Bible is not anything to keep on your coffee table. You need to hide it inside your heart. And when the storms of life are raging, you need to use your Bible and find out what God has willed to you to help you make it through the storm. I wish I had a witness. Don't be around praying, Lord, don't move the mountain. Give me strength to climb. That's unbelief. Oh, don't be around. Oh, Lord, just have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, have mercy. That's unbelief. We're not pitiful, rejected, looked over, and unappreciated adoptees. Oh, I don't have a witness here, but I'd like to take these last few minutes and tell you something. My father told me when he dropped me off to school at five years old, Maud Watley was my first principal. He took me to Miss Watley's 
office later on took me to a house so this boy was born in october he was almost 80 then so he was born in october but we i don't want him to wait till next year to start school will you take him now and right after labor day at five years old i started school i need you to hear this now when he dropped me off at central elementary school on the other side of 15th street he told me he said now they're gonna ask why are you so young and your dad is so old you tell them you're a foster child. You know, I didn't know what that meant. So I'd be in school, and they would ask me, and say, well, why you got a different last name? And I'd say, I'm a foster child. I thought that meant my name was foster. I didn't know. I had no idea what that meant. I was a grown man before it even occurred to me what he was telling me because they were so good to me. Oh, I don't have a witness here. They treated me like I was their own biological child. I don't have a witness here. God is so good to you. He doesn't treat you like you're an outsider. He doesn't treat you like he picked you up or somebody gave you away. He doesn't treat you like the system put you in his custody. He treats you as his very own son, his very own daughter. I wish I had a witness. And the truth is in his will. Why would that old lady leave me her house? I wasn't no kin to her. I'm not through with that story. Can I go back? Because I need to say it in close. When she got about 96 years old, she called me one day. She said, I need you to come over here. I drove up from where I was living at that time. I'm in my 30s now. I've got children of my own. She said, come on, I need to go see another lawyer. I said, why? She said, well, I'm in pretty good health right now at 96. She said, but you know, you know, I don't want to mess around here and get sick, have to go to a nursing home, and the state take the property. So I know that I cut that will when you were a boy, but I'm going to go ahead now and transfer the deeds and everything over into your name just in case something happens to me. We went to another lawyer. We went to Sue Thompson right, right across from the courthouse in Tuscaloosa County. And Sue Thompson was about in her late 40s. And we sit there. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. And she marveled at my mother. She said, now you're 96. She said, yeah. Said, well, do you have any living relatives? She said, well. And she said stuff I didn't know. She said, well, you know, let me see. Now, Sam Adams, he passed on. But, you know, Sam was my cousin. But then Sam had married this woman, and her name was Dut. And then Dut had a child named, uh, named T.C. And I'm giving you real names now. And she said, now, and now Dutt, uh, at a certain time, now Dutt moved, and she left Alabama and went up north. I believe it was around 1940-something. And then Dutt was up north, and she did. And the lawyer sit there and marvel, said, I've never met a person your age with a memory like yours. She said, what do you want to do? So I want to turn this property over to my boy here. She said, well, now, you know, if you go to the nursing home in the next year or two, they're going to feel that you did that as a trick to keep from getting the property. So they're still not going to let it stand. She said, uh-uh, let it go on anyway. So, well, miss, you don't have to do that so because you're 96. She said, uh-uh, let it go on anyway. See, what Sue didn't know was that she'd already planned to live past 100. Let me try that again. You didn't hear me. She didn't know that she'd already plan to live past 100. See, when she did go to see the Lord, she was 103. And her mind was just about as good as it was when she saw Sue at 96. I wish I had a witness here. 
So she was in her right mind, knowing what she was doing, intending to do what she did, and gave it over to me, not because I was kin to her, but because she loved me. I'm here to tell you God does what he does for us because he loves us. Not because you deserve it. I wish I had a witness. Not because of your complexion. Not because of who you think you are. Not because of your education. But you got to recognize he does it because he loves us. Don't doubt it. You know what doubt says? Well, he might do it for some folk, but he probably won't do it for me. Don't doubt. Doubt is when you don't know the word. Hallelujah. And understand this, that when you talk about faith, a lack of faith is not weakness, it's wickedness. Repeat after me, please. A lack of faith is not weakness. Pastor, would you, would you pray for my faith? Well, no. That's not the way you get faith. You can't pray faith into a person. Faith comes by reading and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by being available to hear teaching and preaching. Faith comes, maybe, now, now put your seatbelt on because this is getting ready to be bumpy for about a minute. And I almost would apologize, but I don't think I should. You can gauge how strong your faith is by how much teaching and preaching you're around all week. Let me face the wall because I don't want nobody to think I'm talking about them. But I'm going to just tell you right now. If your faith ain't strong, I'm, I probably know why. Because you have to be in the, you, you have to come to be taught. No, it, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm talking to the wall. I ain't talking about it. I'm just, me and the wall just talking. But that wall probably has more faith than some of y'all because that wall is here every time I teach. Oh, I'm not hearing anything now. See, everybody wants the 911 prayer. Everybody wants the emergency treatment when the bottom falls out. When the truth is, if you were present and accounted for where you could hear the word, when the bottom falls out, you could handle it yourself. You wouldn't need my prayer. You wouldn't need to go around asking folk in the church to pray for you. You'd look at the devil and tell the devil to get behind you, laugh in his face while he's running away. Somebody say, I got the devil on the run and he's running behind me. The truth of the matter is, if you resist the devil, he runs the other way. Lord help. But you will never be able to accuse me of not having the word. Never. You may be able to find other fault. You may be able to say, well, I don't know. He didn't show up with this or that or the other thing. Maybe so. But there's one thing you never be able to accuse me of, and that's not having a word from God. Because my job above all things in your life is to bring you the word of God. I may not get to your birthday party. I may not get to your retirement event. I may not get to your wedding rehearsal. But you will never ever be able to say about me that I didn't have the word for your life. 
And what I suggest, and I'm just trying to suggest it, ain't trying to bully nobody, I'm just telling the straight up truth. If you are in a church where the word is being taught and you deliberately refuse it or stay away from it or don't avail yourself to it, you only have yourself to blame. Ooh. I knew he was rough. I didn't know it was that hard. No. No. My job is to go into the will and, and, and read the will with you. And show you how this applies to you. Because all Miss Annabelle left me was a four-room house on 15th Street. But what I got up in here from Genesis to Revelation is more than a four-room house. It's more than a little lot on the side of the road. This is the stuff that changes your life. That empowers you. That makes you strong. That gives you what you need to be a champion. I know some of, some of y'all like Auburn. I do too. But they just ain't number one in my, on my list. I lived in Tuscaloosa where I was born for a few years. I lived outside of Auburn for a few years. So I got it both ways. But I want to say this. Nick Saban said to the team, you may deserve to be here, but you're entitled to nothing. They were getting ready to play a championship game last year. They're in the locker room. They wrote that down. They said, you may deserve to be here, meaning you won enough games to get here, but you ain't entitled to the championship. And too many of us saints think that we are entitled to God's best because we cried all night. Or we're entitled to God's best because we've given up the right for the wrong. Or we're entitled to God's best because I'm a nice person and I don't try to hurt nobody. And God ought to be better to me or my life ought to be better. We may deserve it by the blood. See, the blood qualifies us to be here. But we're entitled to nothing. We got to go for it. We got to go for it. Unbelief. It's when you hear the truth and you reject it. The Bible said of Jesus when he went to his hometown, he could do no mighty works there because they didn't believe in him. They thought he was a carpenter. They talked about his mama being a slut because she wasn't married when she got pregnant. They didn't believe in him. They thought he was just every day. Old, old Jesus grew up in Joseph's house. They didn't believe in him. Can I tell you this and I'm through? If the Lord came into this church today and said, everybody who's sick, come up here and I'm a minister to you. And you didn't believe that he could do it, you'd still be sick. His, sick, his power cannot override unbelief. Boy, that bounced off the wall. I didn't get a single amen. Because we were programmed to think if God wants to do it, it will be done. That ain't what the Bible says. The will doesn't say that. The will said Jesus could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. They wouldn't accept it. Even God is limited by my unbelief. There is something 
stronger in the world than the power of God is the power of unbelief. But if you believe, all things are possible. To him that believes, all things are possible. To him that believes, all things are possible. Young people, you're struggling in school. A lot of that has to do with the fact that you don't believe you can do any better. I don't like math. I don't, I, don't, I don't like reading. I can't stand to read. You need to change your confession. Because if you change your attitude, you will find out you are empowered to do great and mighty things. But because you flunked on a particular test or because you found a few words you couldn't pronounce or because it's boring to you, you've made up your mind that you can't do it. I don't have a witness here. But most of everything is in the power of what we believe we can do. You know, medical science has tried that on medication with some folk. They've given some people pills that had no medicine in it whatsoever. But they told them what the pill would do. Now, I know you have insomnia, you can't sleep. Take two of these at night, it'll knock you out person took two of the pills and got knocked out. Went back to the doctor. Doctor said, how you doing? Oh, I've been sleeping well. He said, you know those pills I prescribed to you? Yeah. Ain't no medicine in them. Do you believe? I wish I had a witness. And I'm closing by telling you, yes, I believe. I do. I believe that all things are possible. Because here's what I found out. God's word is packed with faith. If I get in the environment of the word, hear the word, read the word, faith is in the verses and it will get into my system just by being around the word. Come on now. What goes into your system produces. Words are seed, right? If you cuss me, what am I likely to do back? Cuss you. You know why? Because you planted a seed of cussing in me. And now you're going to harvest back. And for some folk, the cuss back is going to be way nastier than the cuss that started it. I don't have a witness here. If I'm mad, we, if, if, we, if we start arguing, me, me, if, if me and Butcher start an argument, and he says something to me, he's planting a seed in me. I heard it. He called me a name. He said something about my mama. He said something I don't like. What's he going to get back? Because he sold anger, he's going to reap anger. You're in love with somebody. Y'all start talking love talk. Compliments. You wouldn't expect to tell somebody you love them from your heart. And then all of a sudden out of their mouth comes foul accusation. Because if I talk love to you, I'm trying to reap me some love from you.
I don't have a witness up in here. Whatever I sow, I'm expecting to. When the word of God gets in me as a seed, it's going to reap. God said my word won't return unto me void. When the word gets in me as a seed, what's going to come back out of my life other than the good things that that word promises? <laughs> All the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God. Oh, I, I want to take this higher. You know, I hadn't been hollering a whole lot on Sunday because my hollering hadn't been working like I hoped it would work. You know, I come, I'm from the old school. I holler, somebody's supposed to answer. Yeah, but I said to myself, I said, well, maybe I'm going to holler less and teach more. Maybe I'll reap back what I'm teaching. See, if I holler, I'm expecting you to holler. If I say, oh, 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 Now, you might not can holler as pretty as I can. But you ought to at least say yes. <laughs> I had a lady one time, retired master's degree. She said to me one time when I was 20, 23 years old, she said, Pastor, I want to talk to you a minute. I said, yes, ma'am, Sister Greer. She said, Pastor, listen, they say you were on program down to 17th Street the other night. They say you were so eloquent. They say you were so profound. And I said to my friends, well, I don't know what happens to him when he gets up here. Well, he pastors because he, he, he preaches good, but then he starts that hollering thing at the end. I said, ma'am, she said, you preach some of the best sermons I've ever heard, but, but when you get to the end, you start hollering, and I'm trying to hear what you're saying, but I don't know what you're saying. Now, back then, I had more guts than I had since. I said, Sister Green, I said, listen, the thing about it, two things. First of all, when I holler, you ain't got to worry about trying to hear the sermon because I'm through with it because I'm not going to holler till the sermon is over. Secondly, when I holler, you're not supposed to be listening. You're supposed to be hollering too because what I'm declaring is hollering time has come. So if I holler, any all right. See, 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 see. Oh, I, I'm looking for some show enough worshipers now. When I holler, you ought to holler back. But when I preach faith, you ought to obey it. <laughs> because God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good and his word is full of power you don't need a rabbit's foot you need the word you don't need to go to the psychic you need the word you don't need to try to get anybody fixed you need the word you don't need to try to figure out who your enemies are you need the word his word I'm, I'm about to holler. Y'all stand up. Stand up. Stand up. I'm about to let it get away from me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, 
one right there was pretty good. Hey! I want to thank God. Faith in God will change your situation. Faith in God will heal your body. Faith in God will open doors no man can close. Will close doors no man can open. He will save you. Come to Jesus. Let me ask you one thing. How would you act if you already had it? Well, that's what I want to tell you. You've already got it. Whatever God says, you've already got it. You don't wait until it shows up to shout. You shout after you get through praying. Because he said, ask. And it shall be given. Do you believe it? Then you ought to be praising right now. Ask. And it's already done. It's already done. It will manifest. But I'm not waiting on the manifestation. I got his word. And whatever he says, it's all right with me. Oh, oh.